Welcome back to another episode of Arrow, chapter and verse. This time we're talking about Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 8, The Chicago Way. Taken uh, from a quote from The Untouchables, it's Sean Connery as Jim Malone. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you'll get Capone. Uh, Brandon Routh, later on in this episode, is going to try another quote. Uh, I'm not going to actually repeat the quote here because it's ethnic slurs against Italians, which, you know, would have made sense at the time, but I don't have to repeat. Um, but he, he does his best. Sean Connery, which is not... Not great, but just like a thug to bring a gun to an ion cannon fight. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so Damien Dark, Eobard Thawne, and special guest Malcolm Merlin show up in Chicago 1927 and offer Al Capone something. What they're really doing is screwing with history in order to get the legends to come to them so that they can get the amulet that the legends took in the 40s. Now, this is the problem with having bad guys in time travel, is that pretty much any time they want to do anything, they want to screw up anybody, they can just, you know, mess up time and the legends are going to come running. That's a, that's a thing that's going to happen. So the legends all head to 1927. Um, they try to stop Elliot Ness from being kidnapped and shot by Al Capone's goons, because that's what the, the bad guys have done, is that they told Al Capone about Elliot Ness, where to find him, and so on. Uh, they retrieve him after he's plunged into the river with some cement overshoes. And it's really weird, because uh, the legends take a moment to pose, uh, and, like, wait... Before, you know, if I were Vixen, I would have immediately dived into the river once I saw him go over, but that's just me. So they take him back to the ship. Uh, turns out he has some brain damage. Um, apparently Gideon can fix brain damage. So that's what's happening with him most of the rest of the episode. Nate and Ray uh, try to basically do what he did. Uh, apparently he retrieved the ledger if the show is to be believed extraordinarily early on in his Capone fighting career, uh, the ledger that led to Al Capone's tax evasion downfall. So they decide that they need to go get that. They go to FBI headquarters, they pick up his team, and they go raid a club whose name I cannot remember. Uh, Martin, Sarah, and Jax are on the inside of the club, uh, basically, of course, the villains have told Capone what is likely going to happen, so, like, all of the booze is gone, it's a very sparse crowd, uh, the raid doesn't net anything, and it makes, uh, Nate, who's posing as Ness, look like an idiot. Um, what does happen is that Eobard Thawne shows up and kidnaps Sarah and Martin Stein, and they take them to an undisclosed location, and Malcolm Merlin comes in and says, Sarah, I was the one who arranged for the Queen's Gambit to get sunk. I will give you nine years of your life back, thereby screwing up continuity for not only this show, but Flash and the Arrow, a little bit of Supergirl too, uh, if you give me the amulet. Sarah says, no dice, been there, done that, the Dominators did it better, I've already seen what that life looks like, I don't need to go back to that life, we're fine. 
Uh, Malcolm twists the but Laurel would be alive knife. Uh, Sarah refuses. And then eventually uh, Eobard Thawne comes in and takes Martin Stein and attaches a Bene Gesserit torture box to his shoulder. That's not what it is, but it might as well be. I mean, it really might as well be. Uh, so he's getting tortured. And then uh, Mick and Amaya find him. And they find him because Mick's like, oh, we gotta act like a criminal. I, I mean, he's not quite that bad, but he, he is he is a little bit... Uh, Jack, you're my number one guy about the whole acting business. I should also point out that he has started to see visions of Len Snart telling him that he's doing the wrong thing and that he should remember he's a criminal and not listen to the good guys. Um, I don't know what it is. This season with images of dead loved ones but it's it's happening a lot and i don't know whether this is savitar it doesn't seem like it would be savitar because mix pretty far from you know like the speed force or the philosopher's stone i i don't know what happened oh, i don't know what's happening i i assume they just wanted to get the actor who plays len snart back on the show and this is how they could think of to do it Anyway, Mick convinces anybody that in order to find Martin Stein and rescue him, they're going to have to act like criminals. So what they do is they shoot up uh, one of Al Capone's whiskey delivery trucks, um, and the drivers very quickly offer up the information as to where that whiskey truck was going. They go to that warehouse or whatever it is. They rescue Stein. They come back to the ship. Uh, Stein seems off. Uh, people are like, why do they want the amulet so much? Stein's like, maybe I should look at it. And then it, uh, it, we find out that Stein is, in fact, Eobard Thawne. Uh, Jax has a gun that he thinks is going to be useful. He shoots it at Thawne. Thawne says, a speedster weapon. Very impressive. And then immediately gets his speed back. And he's like, but the effects are only temporary. So look, I'm just going to say this. If you're going to design a weapon that's useful against speedsters, and the whole point of it is that it you know, disrupt speedster, speedster power, you're going to need a longer interval than five seconds to make things work. Uh, later, while he's still in his ship, Vixen's going to shoot him with it again, and he's basically going to insult her ex, her ex-rex, uh, and that's, you know, that's going to be it. Now, here's the thing. Uh, even if I were a villainous speedster and were like, I will change time at my will and whim. I know Will doesn't have the H in it, but who cares? Uh, I would be cautious about doing it because you just don't know what's going to happen. And like, I don't know, let's say you kill Rex Tyler, you kill our man. So now, 1940s Vixen is hunting you. Okay, let's say she gets really, really into the whole hunting you, and then there's an organization dedicated to hunting you that's founded by Vixen. Like, it's, it's like that kind of stuff, you know? You don't know. Maybe, and, and they, what they do is they create and develop speedsters specifically to bedevil you, because, of course, you know, it seems like once you're linked to the speed force, chances that anybody around you is going to spontaneously develop speed force powers thanks to some sort of scientific accident are pretty, pretty high. Um, anyway, they, 
they can't beat Thawne. He's running around the ship. They don't know what's going on. Malcolm Merlin sneaks in. He tells uh, everybody to... Like, he's with some goons, and he tells the goons to kill everybody they see, and the first people they see are Steel and Ray, which leads to, you know, bring a gun to the ion cannon fight, because apparently Ray's armor's bulletproof, good to know. Steel is, of course, obviously bulletproof, and their guns jam, because that's the thing that can happen if you're shooting Tommy guns. Malcolm Merlin shows up, he and Sarah have a fight, uh, Sarah puts a knife to his neck, and is like, where's Martin Stein? And he's like, that information is going to cost you. And it costs them the other half of this amulet that they've got, or the, the half of the amulet that they've got. And it's like, well, Malcolm, couldn't it say cost your life? I mean, Sarah's a killer. She's done it before. It, it just seems like, well, I mean, then you did have Thawne roaming the ship and whatnot. So you, you might have gotten Malcolm, but you wouldn't have gotten him and Thawne. Uh, so the bad guys now have both parts of the amulet. They put it together, and this really, uh, red laser map of a bunch of stuff shows up, um, and it looks like it's a solar system, uh, rather than just, say, one planet. And the two other, Malcolm and, uh, Damien, ask Eobard, what is, what is this for? And he's like, well, it's not really an amulet, it's a compass. Damien's like, well, compasses usually find things. And then uh, we get into some classic, like, All-Star Squadron stuff. Uh, Eobard asks the two of them whether they've heard of the Spear of Destiny, which is the spear, it's sometimes called the Spear of Longinus. It's the spear that the Roman soldier uses to, you know, pierce Christ's side and all that. And in the All-Star Squadron, uh, the Nazis had it. Apparently, the, the Japanese had the Holy Grail. And what that meant was, if you were a magic-powered superhero and you entered into Nazi-controlled territory, which was, I mean, literally anything the Nazis claimed and could sort of back up at that point. So you can imagine that, like, the, the you know, the lines, the borders were changing during D-Day. But if you were a magic-powered superhero, you instantly came under the sway of the Nazis. And um, in... The the comic that I read, uh, they get Shazam. And Shazam's not even from that Earth. He's from an alternate Earth. Um, but they, they get Shazam. And they weirdly, they separate Shazam from Billy Batson, which is, which is weird to me. Uh, but he fights Superman. And, like, Superman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern are pursuing Shazam in the Nazi-controlled airspace. And then somebody tells him to stop. Uh, like Hawkman gets in their way because otherwise they're all going to turn into, you know, like they're all going to start working for the Nazis. Um, that is apparently not what it's going to do here, which is good because we don't really have Thawne controlled territory. Uh, what's going to happen is that it's going to allow Thawne to rewrite history in any which way he pleases. But again, he's a speedster, so he kind of already can do that. I mean, unless you could just sort of sit and point the spear and say, and let this happen instead of this. And he's already got that power. So that's, that's a thing. Um, so that's what the bad guys are doing. Uh, then they also say that in order to get the spear, they're going to need Rip Hunter. And we do a quick cut over to a chase scene where Rip Hunter is being chased down an alley, but it turns out it's actually a, a, a movie set or a TV show set. 
And I assume the Rip Hunter time whatever is in the vein of Doctor Who. It's L.A. 1967. It looks like it's going to be a pretty cheesy show. And the guy directing it is Rip Hunter in a pretty decent American accent and a very, very bad wig. Um, if, you, if you're not familiar with my wife, her name's Allison Harkey, and she and I at one point watched all of Veronica Mars together, I think so we could watch the movie. That was the point. We watched all of Veronica Mars and then we watched the movie. And... The wig people on Veronica Mars, God love them, but they just, that is our sort of standard for bad wiggery. And this is definitely a Veronica Mars level wig. It's just not a good wig. It's not a good wig at all. But uh, clearly the actor underneath the wig is the guy who played Rip Hunter. Um, so I guess maybe next time we're going to... 1967 or soon we're going to 1967 to figure out what happened to rip i don't know i don't know we'll find out uh mix thing with len captain cold is never explained like he just keeps showing up and offering snarky advice you know every so often uh makes friendship with amaya seems to be blossoming she steals him a bottle of Canadian whiskey, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Uh, if there's a romance there, I don't like it. Friendship is fine. But again, I don't like, like, almost every relationship, um, <laughs> almost specifically heterosexual relationship, seems to be a romantic one. And it would be nice if they would just stop that. Uh, it would also be nice if they'd explain the whole Lensnart visions thing. It's not, it's not really cool. It's not really doing anything. Like I said, it just seems to be an excuse to get that guy back on the show. So that that's not resolved. Um, one of the things that Professor Stein does do during the show is tell Sarah about his daughter. And Sarah's like, you were the one who told me that I couldn't kill Damien Dark earlier than he got killed because that would have an effect on the timeline. And now you have a daughter and you can't, you can't. And he's like, yeah, I know. But then I talked to her and she became real and Sarah's like, but she's just an aberration. And they, they really need to figure out uh, what the rules are on that because, um, you know, like uh, sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it's just like my daughter. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, at the end of the show, she's like, I've, I've learned that some things are more important than time, even though her rationale for not giving in to Malcolm's offer was, of course, the sanctity of time. So I guess we're going to see how this plays out. I kind of like the idea of Dr. Stein having a daughter. She's a bit of a foil for him, and I like that during Invasion, and I hope to see more of that dynamic, and I also hope to see more of what she does. Uh, I'm putting it at 50-50 right now that she gets superpowers um, somewhere down the line, and if she does, I'm going to put it in another 50-50 that she becomes a villain. So there's, a, I'm saying right now, 25% chance of her becoming a villain with superpowers. Um, yeah. So that is it for this episode of, uh, Arrow Chapter and Verse. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're having a good day and I will see you next time.